How's it going, everybody, and welcome to episode number 21 of the Tuesday Morning Skate Podcast with me, your host, Victor Finley, back for another week and uh, caught up on sleep finally for the first time in a few episodes. I am not wickedly fatigued this time, although I am in uh, the middle of preparation right now for the U-Cup, um, so things things are going to be a little different here in the last couple episodes. Um just because this is still a pretty wild stretch for me, um, which uh, I'll talk a little bit about today because now a lot of it involves university hockey. Just came back from Kingston on the weekend, first Queen's Cup experience, be headed out to Lethbridge on Wednesday night, and uh, be in town for the whole U-Cup, so thrilled to be a part of it again. Uh, Saturday was great. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the Queen's Cup here in a bit. The drive back home, though, that was that was wild. I uh, I think well, I mentioned uh, the travel experience I had getting down to Windsor for OHL with my Via Rail being delayed. Um, it wasn't that level of inconvenience, I guess. But uh, so the weather in Kingston was really bad Sunday morning, and uh, the goal for me was to come back early and then. Uh, get back to Oshawa with the parents on Sunday to start getting preparation together for the U Cup. But uh, the 401 on that stretch can be a, a bit tricky at times. And uh, we had a real bad ice storm slash just fog, whatever you want to call it, roll in. Um, bad visibility, a lot of slush, sleet ice on the road and uh, there must have been some large pileup because they closed down the 401 for uh, I think about 10 kilometers so me being the genius I am forgot my phone charger back at home so I had to I was only in Kingston for 24 hours so I I figured I could my phone was on 70% battery when I left so I figured I could milk it uh, by the time I was hitting the road on the way back my phone was on 2% battery so I knew <laughs> so when the 401 was closed of course you know detour so um, <laughs> I knew as soon as I opened up the GPS app on my phone, I'd be, I'd be sewered. It was going to die. So, uh, I had to improvise a little bit, um, to get around and ended up exploring some small town Ontario that I didn't expect to, but, uh, got through it through the wind and the rain, the ice and the snow and, um, and made it back home in about three, three and a half hours. So another, another travel adventure for me. Um, hopefully the flight to Lethbridge will be uneventful. That would be great. <laughs> so, we'll see. You never know. But uh, here I am again. So, Kingston was fun, though. I've been been there many a time for OHL. Um, Car Harris Cup done there before, but we'll talk about Queen's Cup in a little bit. Big week this week. It is the University Cup. This is what we play for. This is the end of the line for the university hockey season. And uh, been a lot of anticipation, especially if you're with the Lethbridge Pronghorns. And I uh, was happy to have on the show this week Ryan O'Donnell, who is the play-by-play commentator for the Pronghorns. Always like to get the, the fellow broadcasters involved with the show when I can, so uh, happy to get Ryan on today. He's He's been along for the ride with that program for years, so if, if anybody knows what it means for Lethbridge to be in the U-Cup as hosts uh, this week, it's him. So you'll hear from him a little later on in the show. I wanted to have some players on this week, but it turns out it's ridiculously difficult to get guys on um, because, again, I record this on Monday. This is a, Monday's basically a travel day for everybody, 
Uh, and then it, if they're not traveling, teams are on the ice. So no players on the show today uh, just because it's a, a tough spot to catch them at. But uh, you'll hear from the press conference goes Wednesday. Uh, and they do media availability all throughout the week. So um, it's one of those things over Monday and Tuesday very much still set up days as uh, we get the ball rolling in Lethbridge. I will be there on Wednesday night. Um, I mean, I can say it now. I am calling the U-Cup semis and the final again this season with Sportsnet, which I'm thrilled to, to be doing again. Had a blast last year. The two semis were, were terrific games, overtimes, and then the, the final was, was a lot of fun too. So, yeah, I'm thrilled to be back with them this year. Be going out there Wednesday night, taking in Thursday and Friday, and then we'll be on the air on Sportsnet 360 for both semifinals on Saturday and then Sunday night as well with the final. It should be great this year, too, because hometown hockey is also in town in Lethbridge on the weekend with Ron McLean and Tara Sloan, so that'll be great, uh, and I think uh, a great way to get a lot of the community involved in Lethbridge. So I'm, I'm really eager to check things out. Never been to Lethbridge before. Uh, excited to see what the hockey community out there is like, um, even past the, the Lethbridge Hurricanes. So this will be a lot of fun for me. I'm excited to get out there. But before, I'll talk about you a couple little bit later on in the show. For now, uh, here's some of my thoughts, I guess, on the Queen's Cup from the weekend. So I said it a bunch on Twitter. I've been covering this league four years, and I've never been to a Queen's Cup before Saturday. Uh, the first year I covered the league, it was in London. I remember that, UQTR and Western. And I watched that one from home. That was a good one. I ended in overtime with UQTR winning. And then the year after that, got called into the OHL for the first time in my life. And then last year as well, so the two years ago, that was in York. Then last year... I would have gone to St. Catharines for two in Brock, but I also got called into the OHL, so ended up taking that offer to call games. This year it just worked out where I had nothing on the schedule, so I was able to, to drive down to Queens on Saturday. And uh, really my first, I, I mean, I had seen Queens in the Carr-Harris Cup before. I've called Queens games when they've been at Ryerson, but I've never called a, a game properly for Queens or never been to a game for Queens before at the, the Kingston Memorial Center. Uh, I'll, I'll say Queen's Cup or not, um, the Kingston Memorial Center for me is a top five building in the OUA. I like it there. I think it's a lot like Varsity Arena, which outside of Maple Leaf Gardens is my favorite rink in university hockey. Um, the Aiken Center is certainly up there too, but if I had to go through my top five right now, I think it would be Mattamy Athletic Center, Maple Leaf Gardens number one, Varsity Arena two, Aiken Center three. Uh, and then I think Kingston Memorial Center might might come in at number four. I think it's it's got a lot of the old sort of character Varsity Arena has. Ian McAlpine mentioned this on Twitter this week as well, a, a writer from the Kingston area. Loves working at the Leon Center. Uh, I do too. It's uh, you know a, a high-end OHL building. Just good, if, especially if you're a broadcaster. It's a good place to just be. It's, it's a good spot for hockey, but... Um, the, the old-fashioned kind of barn that you get with the Kingston Memorial Center that's good enough to hold, you know, a good crowd and there's good sight lines and it's it's just a good spot for university hockey. I like it because it's old, it's got the character, but it's not too old to the point where we're getting rust delays like Rutherford. So, now, full disclosure, I've never been to Rutherford, so... 
Um, <laughs> but uh, everything I had heard about that was that uh, it was time to move on. So, anyways, this is about the Queen's Cup, not Saskatchewan. But uh, I enjoyed my my time out there at the Kingston Memorial Center for sure. I think they got a really nice rink there at Queen's. It was absolutely jammed as I expected it would be. That's all I had heard about the week leading up to it was the support for the Queen's Gales. It was very abundant. Nice to see Guelph had a section as well behind their bench. Uh, I know from my days calling OUA, Guelph uh, have some fans and some family that, that travel real well. Um, I remember that uh, that game against Ryerson I called, the, the best game I've ever called. The uh, game two of the oh, 16 semis, there was a, a Guelph section for that one too. So that was nice to see. The game itself, this is a really, really good hockey game. I loved it. It was a 4-1 final for the Queens Gales. They had an empty netter. Uh, Liam Dunda scores late. Jaden Lindo has one of the best games in his university career, scoring two, including the game winner. And then Henry Thompson. Big goals only for Henry Thompson. But he's got a couple playoff winners. Now he's got, uh, uh, well, an insurance goal. It was almost a game winner. But scores in the Queen's Cup final in his fourth year for Queen's, a guy from Oshawa, Ontario, former Whitby Fury. I actually spoke with him at the end of the game. Um, just, I, I thought, uh, you know, I figured I had to, to at least get something from the podcast uh, if I was going to go out to, to Queen's. So, you know what, now is probably a good time. You know the final score, Queen's wins 4-1. to one. Here's my conversation on the ice moments after Queen's hoisted the Queen's Cup with veteran Henry Thompson. Uh, Henry, huge moment here for you and the Gales tonight on home ice at the Kingston Memorial Center. Just take me through the course of this game against the Guelph Griffins. 1-1 going into the third period. Anything really could have happened. Yeah. Um, just coming into that third period, we saw we were 1-1. And like, I think over the course of the playoffs, we kind of felt pretty confident in our, in our ability going to third periods. We knew our second periods hadn't been great today, but we felt really confident in our third period. So thought we had a pretty good quiet confidence going into the period figured we could pull it off tell me about the crowd because you know i got to see it tonight and experience everything but for those at home that weren't able to see or feel what a full sold out kingston memorial center was like tonight what was it like from your perspective it was awesome this is the coolest game i've ever been a part of bar none um as a lot of places in the oua we don't get a ton of fans normally so it's really cool to see the memorial center which is such a great old arena like there's wood everywhere it's such a nice low ceiling it really holds the sound in and to have you know 2800 people in here uh it was an incredible experience and everyone stayed till the end it's unbelievable it's great to see now you don't score a ton of goals but every <laughs> time every time you do in this league they always seem to count for something for those who don't know you've had a couple playoff ot winners a couple game winners in your time tonight you scored a championship final it wasn't the game winner but it was pretty close it's the insurance marker so it counts for something yeah. what is it about these games is it a different stick you use or something yeah. for for when everything's on the line you seem to step up a little more i'd love to tell you that it's a different tape job or something because then i could know what it was and i do it all the time <laughs> but i don't know what it is kind of seem puck seems to bounce my way sometimes like it seems seems like i'm beneficiary of a lot of good passes in these games when other guys step their game up just puck seems to go in sometimes nationals now you get to look yeah. forward to you knew you were already going to be there but i'm sure being able to go on a high note like winning a championship at home has to be a huge boost for your guys moving forward right yeah absolutely it makes a huge difference i remember two years ago when we unfortunately lost to york in the in the finals it was really crushing but you know it's it's different you know we're still going to nationals but it's a lot diff- it'll be a lot different going in having won our last couple games and we're kind of going in on a high rather than trying to trying to ride out a peak in the valley
There you go. That was, again, Henry Thompson of the Queens Gales. Uh, somebody I wanted to get on the show this week a little bit because I think he's just a great story um, of a junior A guy that had, uh, you know, some real challenges in cracking the lineup at Queens and he just stuck it out and he finally got what he deserved uh, the other night in a championship. Uh, he's played a really good season, by the way, too. Like Henry Thompson, uh, you know, for all the games that uh, he wasn't in early on in his career, you know, he had a great season now in his fourth year with Queens, played a lot of the games, uh, put up good numbers, I think something like 17 points, six goals, 11 assists. So um, he's turned himself into a nice little player for the Gales, and, and they've been happy to have him. But uh, that Queens team for me, so many great stories about it. And that's why I'm a little more interested right now in the OUA playoffs than I am in, in Canada West and the AUS because every year, you know, at West or East, it's always the same contenders more more or less. At least they have been in my four years of doing this. Um, I think I think, yeah, all four years, I wanna say all four years I've been doing this, it's been the exact same finalists out in the West and the East. Now a couple different winners, but it's been the same final matchup. Whereas the OUA uh, my first year was Western UQTR. My second year was York Queens. My third year was McGill Brock. And now my fourth year was Queens again and Guelph. So I've managed to see, you know, different final matchups every year in the OUA. And every time you get a new team, there's always a new set of stories. And I think Queens have a great, um, great collection of stories with Spencer Abraham being a 15th round OHL pick was given a chance by Stan Butler, turned himself into a respectable OHL player. Uh, that earned him a shot at Queens. And, and even before he got to Queens, I know there were other schools that weren't really interested in him, but Queens gave him the opportunity. He became a star at Queens, became the all-time leading point scorer amongst defensemen in the last week of the regular season, then in his final home game at the Memorial Center as captain of the Gales, gets the hoist the Queens Cup uh, in front of a cello crowd. So a tremendous story there. Uh, I think of Pat Sanvito, who was traded as captain of Windsor in the year that they hosted and eventually won the Memorial Cup. He was dealt to Sudbury. Um, I'm sure that one didn't feel good at the time, but now you know he comes back. He's a guy that's that's been an exceptional shot blocker in this league and the OHL for years too, and, and somebody who's really had to pay his dues in the past. He's a champion now with the Gales. Uh, I mean, their, their assistant coach, Kevin Bailey, came so close as a, a goaltender, one of the best we've seen, now does it as an assistant. And I mean, Brett Gibson, 14 years at the helm with the Gales. You know, he's seen that program through some of its darker days, and now he's made it to the very top, king of the hill in the OUA with Queens. So uh, a lot of respect for a lot of those guys because a lot of them have, have had to grind away for a real long time, uh, none longer than Brett Gibson, to, to figure out how to win with that program and the OUA really is if it's I don't know by virtue of the amount of teams there are but I, I think it is the most difficult conference to win in because the 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 bottom end compared to the top end is a lot closer like worlds closer than it is with the other two conferences you take the worst team and put them against the best team in the OUA and it's going to be a closer matchup a lot closer than it will be out in the West and the East. So that's why I think the Queens Cup playoffs are so entertaining. Um, and uh, I, I just, I tend to give them a little more attention because it's more interesting to me. They play more games and uh, we saw a phenomenal Queens Cup final 
on uh, on Saturday night in in Kingston. I thought it was a really well played game. As for Guelph, I know this is um, this is a tough one. It's it's always going to be a, a tough one when you you lose at a championship final. I, I still think they've got a pretty good team there. They go in as the four seed to the U Cup. They get Saskatchewan in the first uh, quarterfinal matchup for them. I'll talk a bit about that here in the, the latter half of the show, but. Uh, still a real good season for Guelph. I think, you know, given that this team coming into second semester was not even a, uh, a guarantee to make the playoffs was, uh, for them to go from there to where they have now, you know, competing for a Queens cup in the final is, is a massive, massive turnaround. And I think there's a lot to be proud of there still for their players and their staff. And, uh, it was a, a game that just didn't go their way. Um, you know, a tough one beats Andrew Masters for the, the game winner, but I, I thought they they held their own quite well. I thought they had a really good start against Queens. You know, I, you, you heard the Henry Thompson interview there. It was 1-1 going to the third. So Guelph gave them an op- they gave themselves an opportunity to be in that game. And I thought for the hostile environment, being on the road, coming up from Guelph um, for the Griffins, they, they did a really, they played a, a good game. You know, they, they didn't play a bad game by any stretch. You know, they came to win, the players came to win, um, and, uh, and they gave themselves an opportunity to do that. So it was a fun game. It was just a good hockey game. It wasn't like one of those ridiculous, you know, penta overtime, quad overtime, you know, thrillers that we've seen before, but it was just a really good hockey game, and and you could tell right off the bat that the crowd was buzzing, there was energy in the game, Queens and Guelph just trading hits, you know, guys getting crushed along the boards, and the crowd's just going off on, on everything that happens, any chance, any hit. That's great to see. That's what I love about university hockey, because there's an atmosphere there that you create when you've got student cheering sections and, and student bodies invested in their home schools, that there's just an energy like like it's unlike anything else in in the country that's totally unique to this level and that was very apparent on Saturday in Kingston. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Western Carlton as well on Friday night. Of course, you could argue there's more to play for in the third place OUA play-in game than there is in the actual Queen's Cup final because Carlton Western were playing for a spot in the national championship, that final spot, uh, what ultimately proved to be the seventh seed, and Carlton win 3 nothing, a shutout victory as Francois Broussard, OUA East goaltender of the year, gets the job done and uh, lives up to uh, his title, I guess, of OUA East goalie of the year. Watched a good portion of that game, thought Carlton played the better game, they looked better, and uh, and I thought deserved to win. Uh, empty netter there at the end as well from Jake Smith. Dalen Hedges scored a beauty though too. He's a real player for the the Ravens. But uh, this is big for them. Even though they didn't win the Queen's Cup, I think it's it's big for a couple reasons. And I think the first is it kind of leads back to Marty Johnston. I think it's big that Carlton was able to make the national tournament go as far as they did without Marty. Um, that's important to me because not only does it show that Marty was able to construct a a, a real culture there at Carlton, a, a winning tradition, but he did it so well that it's been able to permeate past his time with the Ravens. And a lot of that goes to to Sean, Al, uh, Sean Van Allen, who is an assistant on the bench with Marty Johnston there for, for a little while, but he's done a nice job to pick that up where he's left off. And, and even then, though, I still think this Carlton team for you know only having one recruit class of Sean Van Allen's 
plays like a Sean Van Allen team. They play differently, a lot differently than they did when they were at the U Cup back in 2016. I think if you're uh, if you're somebody who hasn't seen the Ravens since they were last at the national championship, this will be a different looking team. Uh, they they play the same way that you know. It, Sean Van Allen is a player. If you remember how he played in the National Hockey League, his his Carlton team plays like he did as a player. So it's uh, it's worked for them, and they they've got some really really stable goaltending. I think their their defense is uh, a big compliment as well to to who they have in that with Francois Broussard. But uh, they've done a nice job to come together and uh, and a nice little run for them in the U Cup. Now they get a real tough draw going in as a seventh seed. But, uh, you know, you got to believe this is a team that, you know, of course, last time they were in the national championship went to, to quad overtime against Saskatchewan. And that uh, that was a Sask team that ended up losing out in the semis, but I thought had the the tools to go all the way that year and then almost did the next year, too. They were all in all the way into the U-Cup final against UNB, which was with a team that was quite similar um, to the one they had the year prior to. So. Uh, we'll we'll see what Carlton's got in store for us, but I think a a nice nod for them to to get through to the national championship and what's been a really good season overall for the Carlton Ravens. Gotta mention the AUS final too because UNB win it again this year uh, in two games they sweep Saint FX. Uh, again, didn't get an opportunity to watch a whole lot of this, but uh, I mean, kind of a whitewash of a series, anyways. UNB win game one five to one, then they win seven one in game two, so ultimately outscoring State Effects twelve to two. And what was the most lopsided final we've seen in in quite some time. So, you know, apart from that, there's there's really not much for me to say. UNB wins again, dominant team. And uh, I think even for them, they're happy with it. You know, anytime UNB can win an, uh, a conference title on the road in Saint Effects uh, you know, that'll be a highlight of their season. But, you know, again, you have to understand, these guys are all in for U-Cup. I don't think they'll look at this season as a success if they they don't win or at least get to that U-Cup final. So, you know, we'll see. These guys are all in. I think they, they wanted to win that second game just to get the rest anyways. Uh, maybe get a bit of an upper hand here on a Carlton team that's played on Friday leading into the U-Cup in Lethbridge. So UNB, at the recording of this podcast, or well, they might be in Lethbridge by now. So they're showing up early on in the week. They'll be on the ice. They'll be ready to go again. For Shane Effects, um, boy, I mean, it's tough without Holden Cook. Uh, they, they've got to figure out how to turn things around real quick. Did get Brad Peddle back on the bench, so he'll be with them again for the University Cup, uh, which theoretically could help them. This is a team as well that's played 10 playoff games. So, you know, they've come into this this U-Cup a little weathered, I guess, if you will, and, uh, you know, with no holding Cook missing a lot of games in there. I don't believe Bryson Chinfroni played in uh, the final either uh, after getting knocked out midway through that St. Mary's series. So they're they're a little depleted right now. There's no doubt about it, St. FX, and they'll need Chase Marchand to be great again. Uh at the the U Cup for them to have a shot, but uh, we'll see how it, it pans out. Hopefully, the uh, the team or the games that these two teams have in the U Cup are a little more exciting than the AUS final because again, UNB with a uh, I guess we'll say comfortable AUS championship victory this season in two games. All right, now for the interview portion of the show. Again, U Cup coming up this week in Lethbridge. I'll talk more about the matchups here in a little bit, but first. Here's my conversation with Lethbridge Pronghorn play-by-play man, Ryan O'Donnell. 
Well, the University Cup is officially here. Teams now en route, if not already, in Lethbridge getting set up for the Thursday start. Of course, uh, the press conference on Wednesday and some of the festivities getting underway a day before Game 1 in the quarterfinals goes on Thursday. And then, of course, Thursday night will be the host Lethbridge Pronghorns in action taking on the University of Alberta Golden Bears. That's the game that a lot of that community has their eyes set on right now. And with a lot of players and coaches in transit, what better time than now to talk with another broadcaster in this league who sees it from a daily basis and somebody who knows Canada West Lethbridge Pronghorns hockey probably better than anybody else in the country right now. And the guy who will be calling the quarterfinals and bronze medal games in the David Johnston University Cup this year. Ryan O'Donnell joins me on the phone now. Thanks for doing this, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. So here we are. It's It's been a long wait uh, for Lethbridge. I'm sure you remember the day that it came out that Lethbridge was going to host uh, the University Cup in, in 2019. What's been the waiting process like for that team, and how eager do you think they are to finally get on the ice for the U-Cup? Well, they've been practicing hard for a few weeks here now, obviously, after uh, being eliminated by the Calgary Dinos in the postseason in what was. Honestly, if they could have had their special teams uh, going at the same rate as the Calgary Dinos, it would have gone to three games. And They've been working hard in practice, but uh, they're definitely eager to get going. And It's been a long process, really. I remember six seasons ago, my first year working for the team, we had uh, two win seasons, so to get into the University Cup, regardless to be as a host and not, I guess, technically earn your way as a league champion or second place team, it's, it's definitely exciting, but uh, to make the playoffs this year, I think, for the program was a huge accomplishment, and I know for a fact all the guys are excited and raring to go. Yeah, well, Lethbridge was a big story in the offseason with Spiros Anastas departing for the ECHL. Murray Nystrom comes in fairly late in the offseason to take the reins as the head coach of this program throughout the season. Guide me through this year a little bit. With, with Murray Nystrom at the helm, you know, you've seen this program now. You've mentioned it for a, a few seasons under Spiros Anastas and now under, under Murray Nystrom. What was the course of this year like for the Lethbridge Pronghorns en route to getting to the playoffs for the first time since 2012? Well, I think it's not only on the ice, but off the ice. It was, uh, it's, these guys have been through a lot, not just with the coaching change, but uh, the majority of the guys were really close with former captain Brock Hershey, including myself. Right. And, uh, I, I think it's it's been a tough it's been a tough couple of years around Southern Alberta. I mean, obviously the humble uh, Broncos bust crash hit Lethbridge really hard with the passing of Logan Boulay and all that he's done with his uh, organ donation project has been amazing and I know and specifically uh, Michael Grant was best friends with Logan so that was uh, that was a real tough time for uh, for everyone involved with the pronghorns because Logan had aspirations to play for the pronghorns as far as my knowledge so um, that, not just the coaching change, but that was a real tough transition in uh, learning all that. But yeah, as far as the coaching change, uh, the start of the year was definitely a, it was a tough transition, I think, because not only were they very short players off the hop uh, with 
not having much of a recruit, recruiting class. They actually had two players in September, which filled out the roster. So it was it was really tough in that aspect. And then a, abundance of injuries in the first few weeks of the season. I think they started off two and six or something along those lines, and they had to go into Saskatchewan playing with nine forwards and six defense. And not only was it nine forwards and six defense, it was uh, it wasn't it wasn't that it was their depth players missing. It was key players out of the lineup. So it was a real learning curve the first bit with head coach Murray Nystrom, and they turned their season around pretty good up until Christmas. They got the victories to really get themselves in the playoff mix. And I think uh, as the season went along, the team got better. And it showed they had a great series against the UFC Dinos. So it's, uh, it's definitely been a transition from the start, but I think they're definitely fully ready to go for Nostos. Well, it never seems to fail, does it, that when a team has uh, a bit of a shorthanded roster, the injuries always hit a little harder than, you know, when they've got the depth to actually deal with it, uh, all of a sudden, then everybody seems to be healthy. But, yeah, you mentioned it, this year was definitely a, a transition, I guess, in more ways than one for Lethbridge, but it did seem to get better, as you said, as well, towards the end of the year. What specifically was it about this Lethbridge team that you saw improve, or maybe a couple players in particular that you really saw come around uh, to be a lot better? towards the end of the season some, some players just fit under coaches better right. than under certain coaches and one guy who I think has really flourished is uh, well two guys in that matter is the defense pairing because they played together probably 24 of the 28 games this year of uh, Jeff Raymond and Evan Wardley I thought their game just went to another level this year and Evan I think himself would say he uh under head coach Spiros Anastas didn't didn't uh, really fit his style of play and now under Murray Nystrom he fits his style of play and they've done a great job they've been up against tough matchups all season long and they tend to play against other teams top lines so they've been in a shutdown role and I think a lot of teams at least I would. I would hate playing against Evan Wardley and Jeff Raymond, and they've done a great job shutting down top lines all season long. So I think those two in particular have done a great job, but it's a team that really is built from their back out. They got two great, three really great goaltenders. I mean, Johnny Hogue obviously doesn't see much action. He's typically the third-string goalie, but uh, Taz Berman only got into five starts this year, and I would argue... He was outstanding in all five of those games. In fact, played against the Alberta Golden Bears at the MMAC Center back in November and made, uh, I think it was 60 saves in, uh, in a game that the Pronghorns lost 4-3 in overtime. So, And then obviously Garrett Houston carries the ball clothing goal, and he was remarkable. And I think if not for uh, the Pronghorns being a sixth-place team, I think I would argue he's the best goalie in Canada West. Now, obviously, their defense is uh, built kind of old school. It's uh, really stay-at-home, meat-potatoes, great-in-their-own-end type of defense core. Uh, their forwards, at times, they, fight, they struggle to score goals, but they're all in all, they're a pretty good defensive team. 
Yeah, well, I guess when you look at some of the more offensive players on this Lethbridge team, too, the guy that's stood out for me over the last couple of years, and, and this year in particular as well, is you know Justin Valentino, who's been at Lethbridge now in his fifth season. He scored 16 goals a couple of years back. And a guy that's you know not a very big player. He never played major junior, but you know what a great university hockey player he's turned into. What have you seen with him over the last five years, and maybe this season in particular too? Well, you know, honestly, that was head coach uh, at the time, Spiros Anastas first recruiting class, and no one really knew what to expect from really any of those players that came in that year because Spiros had no time to recruit because he was transitioning from coming over from the American Hockey League and uh, he had I think they had five players in that recruiting class I want to say and Justin along with all of them were junior A players which sometimes obviously can pan out but sometimes you really don't know what you're going to get and uh, he's a guy who every single year has gotten better and I would argue for sure, is one of their one of the best players in Canada West. In fact, and uh, he just he works his tail off every shift. He's a really intelligent player, and it's funny because you see all these kids go from junior A to NCAA, and then the guys who don't get a NCAA scholarship tend to end up in uh, in the U sports hockey and everybody just kind of forgets about them, but I think Justin's got a very long pro career ahead of him if he wants it. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, down to his final weekend now in in university hockey, no matter what happens, and I've talked to players before that have been in this league for four or five years when they kind of know it's the end, and they always say there's there's a little something different about playing in a, a game where you know your career's on the line, and I think that might be the biggest attraction to the U Cup this weekend is that, you know, whether it's the quarters, the semis, or the finals, you know, this this could be the end of the line for some players that we've seen for a long, long time um, at this level that have always seemed to be on the score sheet and always seemed to play a factor every weekend. And I think Valentino's certainly one of those players. But now looking at, at Lethbridge's opponent here on Thursday night, this is the one versus eight seed. They get the top team right now in the country in the Alberta Golden Bears. You've seen Alberta this year. You've seen Lethbridge play them close as well, as you mentioned, in that 4-3 overtime loss. What do you make of this matchup, Alberta, against Lethbridge? Well, it's it's definitely not going to be an easy matchup for the Pronghorns. Mind you, when it's eight, the top eight university programs in the country, no matchup you're getting is going to be uh, walk in the park, so to speak, and I think uh, the Golden Bears—they bring plenty of offense. That's that's uh, to say it lightly. I mean, you look at their junior careers, and the majority of those guys are hundred-point players at the top end of their careers in junior, which is remarkable. And uh, their whole team. If you put that team in the East Coast Hockey League or the American Hockey League, they would give a lot of teams a run for their money. Sure. They're going to be a tough opponent for the Pronghorns for sure, but uh, it's a team of Pronghorns actually through the last three to four years have played very well in Westbridge. And a matter of fact, they actually got a victory in Edmonton a couple of years ago. 
as well. But uh, it's a team that it always seems to be a close game when it's in Lethbridge. And I think with the crowd, it, which should be a great crowd on Thursday night, should favor the Pronghorns. I mean, some guys I think might have a little bit of nerves, but I think that will go both ways, not just uh, on the Pronghorn side. So I think the key for the Pronghorns for sure will be you got to get off to a good start against the Golden Bears because that team, they can quick strike offense better than I would say anyone in the country. So it's going to be a tough matchup, but uh, the Golden Bears, you just you never know in a one-game elimination, right? Like sure. uh, anything can happen. You get a goalie who stands on his head. You get the right bounces. I mean, one-game elimination, anything can happen. So the Golden Bears definitely won't be an easy opponent, but, uh, I mean, for the Pronghorn's sake, anything can happen, and you hope uh, it goes in your way. Yeah, well, you know, when you say a single-game elimination, the goalie has to stand on their head in most cases um, where it's what we would call an upset. I, I think Garrett Houston is the type of goalie that is capable of, of having a night where he can make a lot of saves and keep his team in a game uh, against anybody in the country. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's shown numerous times, uh, not only this season, but in his Canada West career, that he can uh, keep the Pronghorns in games and steal games for the Pronghorns. And I think not only is this a great team opportunity for a lot of players, but they're, I would assume, I, you would know better than I have, this is, will be my first U Sports uh, championship experience, but I would assume there's going to be a lot of scouts. Around. Oh, yes. Um, yep. Especially with uh, the season that Luke Filth is having up at Edmonton and um, Jason Fram up in Edmonton, and there's plenty of other players across the country, but I know those guys in specific have gotten recognition. This is a great opportunity for plenty of players and every single player in the tournament to get that pro recognition that uh, some of these guys definitely deserve. And for a guy like Garrett Houston, not to put the pressure on him, but I mean, <laughs> if he has a heck of an outing or anyone for that matter, if Brooks Maxwell is a heck of an outing for the Pronghorns. There are guys on U of S. I mean, it's, uh, you're getting that extra exposure in a national championship. So, I mean, if you can play a good game or have a great tournament, your odds are uh, in your favor as far as your future as well. Yeah, and you know, you're absolutely right. The scouts always do show up a little more to these U Cups they have in the past, and I would expect it's going to be the case again this year. And I think the big thing with that too is scouts really want to see the best against the best. And that's what you see, you know, at the U Cup. Mark Simpson is another guy who got recognition from, you know, UNB this year as somebody who's getting lots of NHL interest, was at Washington main camp the last couple of years. So I think there's a lot of NHL teams that are interested to see how some of the country's top players stack up against against some of the country's top teams as well. And that's a big selling point as well, I think, for a lot of fans now too. Uh, certainly in my four years, this is the most that NHL teams have been paying attention to university hockey on a day-to-day -day basis with some of these players like we've mentioned. But uh, some great teams in addition to some great individual players that we're going to see there on the weekend. What are you expecting for the kind of turnout? Because you live in Lethbridge, you see what this team is like as a, or what this community is like as a hockey community, whether it's with the Pronghorns or with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. What can we kind of expect to see from the community of Lethbridge this coming week? Uh, 
I think for the Pronghorns game, from what I've heard, is it should be a very good crowd for uh, the Pronghorns game on Thursday night there. The rest of the tournament, I think, was a little slow getting tickets underway, getting tickets sold, that is, and I think that had to do in part with te- or, uh, people not knowing what teams are participating yet because a right. lot of those ticket packages are being sold to parents of players or family members of players or whatever it be in that aspect. So I think that kind of makes it a little slow off the get-go, but I, as far as I've heard, it's really progressed the last couple of days. And what I think watching over the last seven years paying attention really to youth sports hockey is that it has improved immensely, not only the last couple of years, but from when I started covering the program seven years ago, the caliber of hockey has just gone through the roof. And I think people who come out to the games this weekend, whether it be to one game or all eight games, for people who really don't pay attention to youth sports hockey very often or don't get to see very many games, or whatnot, I think they're really going to realize how good U-Sports hockey is. And I think it's still, I mean, we talk about it all the time, but it really doesn't get the credit it deserves. I mean, you look at these guys in in junior, a lot of these guys, they're all fan favorites. or They're um, 80 to 100 point junior guys, whether it be in junior A or the Western Hockey League or whatever, major junior hockey. I mean, it's, there's a lot of guys on these teams with pro experience or NHL draft picks. I mean, it it really doesn't get the credit it deserves, and I think a lot of people who come out this weekend will be in for an eye-opener, and I really hope uh, the, the majority of the games this weekend are packed because these guys really do deserve it. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've seen this tournament, Ryan, the last couple years out east, and and there's been, you know, great support, whether it's in Halifax or Fredericton. It's been a little while since it's come back out west. So, you know, obviously we both know the quality of hockey that's at this level, but do you think it was really important that U-Sports got this tournament back out west as well to be able to showcase to a western audience too just how good these players and teams are? Yeah, I think uh, it's a... It definitely, I think, needs to be moved around. And, I mean, they do a good job of that, obviously, moving it around from uh, zone to zone or league to league in that aspect. And I think uh, a reason maybe, too, that the crowds or the uh, ticket sales didn't go great off the hop was that uh, if you look at, at Acadia and St. FX and New Brunswick, now I haven't been out there, but I've seen a map and I've heard that uh, those teams are all within a very close region of one another so in that aspect you get teams like uh, all those teams playing in the national championship when it's out there and you're going to get a lot more people from out of town because they're so close together going to the tournament and watching whereas out here uh, the closest opponent's two hours away that being the Calgary Dinos and Mount Royal Cougars. Now, obviously, they aren't in the U-Sports Championship this weekend, but uh, the closest opponent that is is the Alberta Gold Bears, which is about four and a half, five hours up the highway. And then you got the Saskatchewan Huskies, who are about six and a half to seven and a half hours away. So 
it's uh, it's definitely from that aspect. It's uh, a lot harder, I think, to get ticket sales going. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it definitely. I agree with the sense that it needs to be uh, moved around um, conference to conference and try and get more people from conference to conference uh, involved in wanting to pay attention to this brand of hockey. Now I'll kind of bring it back around here to use a broadcast because you get to call the, the four quarter finals on Thursday and Friday, and then the bronze on Sunday as well. Uh, we've seen before in this tournament, as I'm sure you're well aware, how wild some of these games can be. You know, it wasn't that long ago we had Saskatchewan in, in quadruple overtime, then triple overtime. So anything can really happen in this tournament uh, with the way it goes with single game elimination. And it, it's given us just a wild, wide variety of games in the last couple of years. What are you excited for most here about getting to call some of the U Cup games this weekend and take in the whole experience? Well, for one, I mean, for me personally, growing up as a Lethbridge Hurricane fan, whenever I get to call a game at the MMAC Center, it's exciting. Um, but when I was a young kid, obviously, the MMAC Center, those guys are your idols when you're watching the Hurricanes growing up. So for me, anytime I get to watch a game at the MMAC Center, it's kind of like my uh, NHL rink, I guess, because uh, I did grow up in an NHL city. So whenever I get the chance to call a game at the MMAC Center, that's exciting. But Obviously, I'm looking forward to, in a single elimination, I mean, you don't get that much in hockey. Sure. Unless you're going to a best of seven or, whether in youth sports, I guess, a best of three or a best of five. So, you don't get that single elimination. I mean, everyone's going to be going a buck twenty out there and giving it their all. And whereas, when you see best of seven, the first couple games sometimes can start out slow. Don't get me wrong, obviously every game counts the same, but I mean, you get this single game elimination, it's all or nothing really, so I'm looking forward to it. I hope uh, my lungs are, and my uh, voice is prepared to <laughs> hopefully call some overtime games, but nonetheless, uh, and a matter of fact, I've never called a playoff game, because out here in Canada West, we, uh, we have that format where there isn't a uh, home playoff game if you're the lower seed so it's uh it's exciting for me as well i mean as much as it's um as much as it's the biggest game of a lot of these players lives it's for us broadcasters it's the biggest game of our lives too or biggest games of our lives too so i'm really looking forward to it and i uh i hope there's some overtime games i hope there's dramatic hockey and i hope that we're in for a heck of a tournament because the ones the last few years have definitely been crazy, like you mentioned. Yes, well, uh, I hope so too. And Ryan, great to hear you're getting your shot. I know it's it's been quite a wait there for you with Lethbridge. And uh, you've got a couple more days here to make sure that your voice is all ready to go for Thursday night. So best of luck when it comes around. And we'll see you in Lethbridge. Yeah, hopefully you don't blow away on your way out here. It's it's pretty windy today (laughs) over here. It's the windy city of Canada. So, yeah, bring your wind wind jacket so to speak and look forward to meeting you too victor it should be should be a fun week out here in westbridge big thanks again to ryan o'donnell for being a part of the show this week i'll try my best to not get blown away hey hopefully that wind turns into a tailwind for us flying in from toronto well actually we're going to calgary first then from calgary to lethbridge so uh hopefully that wind helps us out a little bit it's a good thing we're indoors too anyways um 
good to hear Ryan too finally getting uh, an opportunity to to call some uh, some really good hockey. I mean, I I didn't really think about it at the time, but you know he's right with the the way the Canada West playoff format works. Uh, Lethbridge hasn't had a home hockey game in the postseason in a long, long time, right? If you're the lower seed, um, you know, there is no home and home. You're on the road for, for two or three games. So, uh, you know, I, I was pretty lucky at Ryerson. I had some really good hockey teams to call there. I called some really good playoff hockey games. So uh, all the best to Ryan. I mean, this is the U Cup, so the uh, – Anticipation is anyways for at least one of the four quarterfinal games that they'll be barn birders. Now, speaking of the quarterfinals, um, time for some of my thoughts on on how things shake up here. And I, I did ask Ryan. I, I, he, now, Ryan knows how Alberta and Lethbridge match up better than, than I do because he's called their games this year. You know, he saw that one Lethbridge hung around in. Uh, I think, though, based on what he said and what I could tell from everybody here, you know, it's it's gonna have to be one uh, Garrett Houston standing on his head for Lethbridge, and they'll need a bit of puck luck too. So there, there's definitely something to be said for having the hometown crowd playing at home. I, I think it would uh, we might need to see Alberta have a bit of an off game here, but uh, Lethbridge has to be ready if the opportunity comes up. You know, I, I always say this typically about close games, especially when, you know, you've got one team that's an underdog against another, is the underdog have to make the most of their chances. So if Lethbridge get an opportunity, um, you know, special teams are going to have to be good for them. If they get a power play opportunity, make sure, you know, you make the most of it. Uh, one of those things where if, if you got four power plays, you don't score on them against Alberta. Uh, it's going to be, you, you, you're not doing yourself any favors to win, um, especially five on five. I think Alberta match up favorably five on five with maybe all but one other team in this league. And I think, uh, I think, you know, which team I might be referring to one or two, but anyways, we'll see how that goes. I, I really hope the, uh, the Lethbridge fans show up for that one. I think they will on the, the Thursday night. That should be a lot of fun because I think the Golden Bear fans will travel as well. I saw a few of them out in Fredericton. Of course, that's a lot further away than Lethbridge is, so I think we'll see some fans come on down from Edmonton for uh, the Golden Bears at the University Cup this year. Now, the two versus seven has UNB and Carlton, and uh, again here, I think UNB would go into this as the heavy favorites, just being as dominant as they have been since the end of the regular season, perfect playoff run, three games through UPI, and then a sweep of Santa Fe in the final. Um, it looks like that the, the UNB Reds are peaking at the right time and a uh, very focused group right now, and I would expect them to come out guns blazing in uh, in Lathbridge. So similar story for for Carlton. I think they're going to have to to get some great goaltending. Now they have the, the uh, guy, I think, that, can do it for them and Francois Broussard in between the pipes. I would think Carlton too is going to play a very physical game. That's the way Sean Van Allen likes to rally his guys. The thing though is that I think UNB, although maybe not as physical with without Mike Thomas or Trey Lewis as they were last year, can still play a physical game. A very, very well-conditioned team, very fit hockey team. So I think if that's the game Carlton wants to bring to them, UNB can handle it. Uh, and that could be a lot of fun to watch, actually, if the sparks begin to fly a little bit between the Ravens and the Reds. That could be a real fun game to watch. So even though I think UNB coming as, as heavy favorites, the way Carlton play 
and the way that UNB have historically responded to the way Carlton play, I think, could make uh, for an entertaining affair. Now, on Friday, we've got uh, the 3-6 and six Friday night. It'll be Queens and St. FX. And for me, out of all the quarter games, this is the most intriguing because I think Queens right now have all the momentum in the world. They're coming in hot. Uh, they don't feel like they're done at all. And... They've got a good team, I think, right at the end of the day, too. You know, all that stuff considered, I, I think they they have a really good team. For me in the, the Queen's Cup, it was their depth guys that shine the brightest. Liam Dunda, uh, Jaden Lindo, although Jaden Lindo, I don't know if you would consider him a depth guy. He could do a bit of everything. But even a guy like Eric Margot, I thought was good. Duncan Campbell, another guy. So, you know, every team has top-end guys in this tournament. But Queen's have some of the specialty players that I think it takes to win. Plus, Justin Fazio has been incredible in goal for them. So, two teams that are coming in through very different paths, right? Saying effects the the last month, the, the this controversy-ridden month for them, combined with uh, a demoralizing loss in the final against UNB. You know, how does this team come in? They're beaten, they're banged up, 10 playoff games. They get Queens, a team who have also been through, they've been through nine playoff games. So it's been a real battle for Queens too, getting past Ottawa, getting past Carleton and Guelph, you know, and uh, it was Concordia in the first round. So they have not had an easy matchup the entire way into the playoffs of the Queens Gales. So they get through to this point, but they've got all the momentum in the world right now. There's a ton of belief. Uh, Brett Gibson is, is a confident, confident coach and it, it shows in the way his team plays, and they have to be confident again, and I think they will be, to have a chance against St. FX. So this is the one that, to me, could really go either way. We'll have to wait and see, but I think this could be a great, great quarterfinal matchup. The final one, the 4-seed Guelph against the 5-seed the Saskatchewan. Now, two teams here. This one's interesting to me because both of them are coming in off of losses. And if you ask me, I definitely think there is an advantage to coming into the University Cup tournament on the heels of a win, especially a championship win. Um, but when you've got two teams here that have both lost in the final, it kind of evens things out a bit. UNB has proven in the past in recent history you can win the U Cup after losing in your conference so this will this will be a long way up though for both of these teams to get to that point being uh, lower seeded than any of those top three teams but I think this could be a, a real intriguing matchup two and one I, I honestly I don't have a great pulse on what to expect uh, because I, I know the way Saskatchewan plays which can be a, a not very flashy brand of hockey but it works for them against a Guelph team that, when they click, can be a very flashy team with some of the top-end guys they have. So I think, you know, does Todd Winder show up and have a great quarterfinal game? Does Mikel Agard have a great quarterfinals? You know, does Seth Swenson have things kind of click? So there, there's so many almost combustible elements for Guelph that guys that can pop off and have big games for them. Uh, a lot of this outcome in this game I think is going to be on how Saskatchewan shuts them down the thing Saskatchewan do have for them going into this is they've got a the rest and b one of the best goaltenders in the country might be the the goalie of the year Taron Cozen it would not shock me the season he's had is tremendous he's been aided big time by the the defensive group he has in front of him I still think it's it's deep as heck for Saskatchewan even without you know, Jordan Fransu and, and Kendall McFall and Connor Cox this year, they haven't missed a beat defensively. So I think they, I really think Saskatchewan have an advantage there. They might be 
um, the best defensively minded defensive team in this entire tournament. So it'll be tough. I thought Queens did a pretty good shot, a pretty good job of shutting down Guelph on Saturday night. It's not going to get e any easier for the Griffins as far as generating offense in this game, but they've got the talent up front, I think, to, to try and crack open um, what could be another exciting game, but one that, again, I, I'm struggling to picture how that one might turn out because we're looking at two, de two teams with pretty different styles of play, which we never see cross paths, right? So that could be a fun one, though. I'm, I'm definitely keen on, on watching and tuning into that matchup on, I think that's Thursday, is it? I could be wrong. But anyways, Queens and Guelph should be fun. On the women's side, I uh, have to mention this as well because it's uh, a big week for them too. With their national championship happening, uh, they also get started on Thursday, March the 14th. It's Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. The field there is set as the St. Thomas Tommies capture their first ever AUS Women's Hockey Championship title. A huge one for them. They win 2-1 in the final game against St. FX as uh, fifth-year goaltender Abby Clark takes playoff MVP honors. So, uh, huge for St. Tommy's. It feels great to talk about that program again um, on this podcast. I actually believe on the men's side, Connor Sanvito, uh, I'll have to look into this. I think he'll be the last ever St. Thomas Tommy from the men's program to play a game in U Sports Hockey when he suits up um, with the Lethbridge Pronghorns this, uh, this coming week. So a big one on the women's side for St. Thomas University with, uh, their championship title. And then on the women's side, the Macaw Cup for the OUA as well. Guelph nearly pulled off the sweep. Uh, had the Griffins won the Queens Cup, they would have, but their women's hockey team are crowned Macaw Cup champs for the third time in the last four years with a 4-2 victory over the U of T Varsity Blues on home ice at uh, Griffith Center Arena. So a huge victory over there for the Guelph women's program. They're off to the national championship with U of T. That gets started, as I mentioned, on Thursday. Manitoba will play Guelph to kick things off. UPI get the Montreal Carabin. And then the next two quarterfinal games on Friday will be U of T against the Alberta Pandas with McGill taking on St. Thomas, then semis on Saturday, and the final... Uh, and bronze as well on Sunday, March the 17th as well. So national championship coming up this week too for U Sports Women's Hockey. Finally, a bit of a Fiju update here. And uh, it's, uh, well, not the best news for Canada, but they will play for bronze after they lose 5-1 in the semifinals to Russia, who I figured would come into this tournament with a stacked team with it being in Krasnyarsk. Uh, Russians real good again, will play for gold. So uh, a bit of a disappointment there for Canada, but Kevin Hamlin and his group will rally for the bronze. The women have already played in the final. They lost to Russia as well. They come home with silver. So looking for at least uh, a medal here from both the men's and women's teams, which would be huge for you sports uh, over on the international side of things. So uh, the men, I'm not sure. It, as of the uh, recording of this podcast, I don't know who they're playing yet, but that'll come out um, within the next little bit here. And uh, that game to be played just before the U-Cup starts. So you could check that out um, in a little bit. But uh, again, the men's team will play for bronze at the Fiju Games after a 5-1 loss to Russia. By the way, posted the save on Twitter, Sebastian Auger. How about him in that four-team Canada representing UQTR well, which, uh, again, <laughs> the Patriots uh, representing their school real well. Christophe Poivin over there, Loic Levay, Matthew LeMay, and... And Sebastian Auger, another nice contingent of uh, 
of Patriots is Auger, uh won bronze last time out with Team OUA, who were at the Fiju Games back a couple years ago. So he'll go for his second Fiju bronze medal um, in his next game. All right, well, that's all the time I got on the show this week. Uh, again, I've got to get dialed back here into preparation for uh, the University Cup. This is always, anytime I do a tournament as a play-by-play guy, I like to cover all my bases. So uh, there's a lot here, a lot of note-taking that uh, needs to be in, well, a lot that has been done, a lot still needs to be done for me. So I'm going to go dive into that. And i uh, got a few phone calls, conversations to have this week leading up to the University Cup in Lethbridge. But again, excited to be going out there. We'll be touching down Wednesday nights and uh, get to take in all the action on Thursday. So this is it, the grand finale for the University hockey season at 2018-19. I think we're, we're primed for a real good University Cup this year. I think we've got some excellent teams. Again, I think Alberta, UNB going in as the favorites. Alberta, of course, the defending national champions will try and go back to back, but I think there could be a couple wild cards in there. And I I do believe, uh, again, I haven't made predictions this year, but I'll I'll make a semi-prediction here. I think this is the year we see an OUA team in the semifinal again. I'm not going to say who it is. I, I think it could be both Queens or Guelph or Carlton, any of those teams, but um, I, I think we will see one of them in the semifinals of the University Cup this year. So we'll see what happens. I think it'll be a lot of fun, though, as it always is, and, and I can't wait to get out there and and take it all in again. So, uh, yeah, this will be my fourth University Cup, and the first three have been fantastic. So uh, expect nothing but the shame again for this season so hey if you're on Lathbridge give me a shout I'll be there the whole weekend and uh, uh, excited to, to get acclimated with the hockey community out there so if, if you happen to see me feel free to say hi and until next time I guess we'll I'll try and do this again next week uh, when I come back it'll be travel day on Monday so I'll have half the day to do the podcast and we'll see how that turns out but uh, I mean I well you might hear from me again then but uh, for sure you could tune in and Watch the games on Sportsnet. The semifinals go Saturday. Ryan O'Donnell will have the call on U Sports Live for Thursday and Friday uh, for the quarters as well. So lots of university hockey action uh, for the national championship, whether it be on the men's or women's side this weekend with uh, eight games on the men's side from the U Cup scheduled. So enjoy the week, everybody. This should be great. I'm ready to go. Uh, I hope you are too. And until next time, farewell from Toronto.